The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Why? I mean, I know the answer, but usually we, we get the smartest people, the most amazing people, and they say yes. And then once we're done, because I know that this is going to happen in 30 minutes from now, when we're done talking, we're going to be like, man, what have we done with our lives? I know. I think it's going to be another one of those. Whether it's, uh, I mean, a, a lady who wears many hats, whether it be a wife or mother, or educator, author, president of Brownicity, uh, Lucretia Berry or Dr. Lucretia Berry, how are you? I am great. Well, actually, um, hearing you read all of those things made me a little tired. So yes, <laughs> I'm a little tired, but no, I'm good. I'm energized by um, what I get to do, honestly, and um, just feel very privileged. Yeah, to get to do what I do. As, as a doctor, I have a mole. Can you check <laughs> it for me? Okay. Well, uh, the kind of doctor I am, I can probably theorize, philosophize and write about it, but you know, I'm not the kind of doctor specifically for your moles problem <laughs> issue. Duly noted. We like to ask this skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. Who are you and where did you come from? Okay. Well, I uh, grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And so I grew up um, in the 70s and 80s. And this is relevant because I am the first generation um, of African-American or just first generation to have gone to a school that was integrated, racially integrated from K through 12. So my parents grew up during um, Jim Crow, Jim Crow laws in the United States, which was legalized segregation based on race. Okay, so imagine my parents raising me and giving me a particular tool kit to be able to navigate our like newly integrated racialized United States, you know, school system. So that's, I kind of grew up, I say still very socially segregated, even though I went to school, integrated schools. Still, my personal life, church and home, community was still very Black, and only Black. And um, fast forward, I, um, I chose to attend a historically Black college and university um, in South Carolina. I'm so glad I did. Um, love that experience. And I like to say God definitely has a sense of humor because as I was trying to... Um, I was all about being super black uh, <laughs> during that time. God was like, now I'm going to send you to Iowa, um, Iowa to go to graduate school. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're in Canada and you might not know that Iowa is like 97% white. And so I jokingly say um, that's Iowa is where they make white people. They come from <laughs> Iowa. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> And um, and then there began a whole unfolding um, around um, like a racial reckoning, a racial healing, an awareness, education. Um, I was even a part of a historically black church that while I was there, the pastor said, we're going to become an everyone church. So all of this was happening. And I knew that God was doing something very intentional. Um, around race and racial healing and identity um, in my life at that time. Um, I didn't know why. And then um, fast forward (laughs) a couple more decades. I'm married to a white guy from Iowa who actually, you know, we became really great friends during that church integration time. 
Um, I am, you know, a black mom in a multi-ethnic family. We have three multi-ethnic children. And so then we have had to give them tools mm. to navigate our very hyper-racialized society that were, that are different than the tools that we were given by our parents. So my parents from the South in North Carolina and my husband's parents from the Midwest um, in Iowa. So all of that has been, has involved very active and intentional engagement around um, asking questions uh, about race, asking, leaning into what God has to say and what God's vision is uh, for humanity. And then interpreting that and in translating that to little bitty children and so giving children developmentally appropriate steps and tools, which then evolved into me teaching um, adults and, and, and especially adults like parents and teachers who are caregivers for children and giving them tools and very practical ways of, um, of raising kids who um, are aware of how race has, has shaped us historically um, but who want and know that our future can be um, different. Mm-hmm. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a that's little it. bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. that's how I, I created um, brownicity. Brownicity is a made up word. Um, two words, brown and ethnicity pushed together. And brown represents the melanin that we all have. Um, I have a lot of melanin or a lot of active melanin and my husband has less active um, melanin. And so, you know, our, our four-year-old at the time said, we're all hues of brown. She said, mommy, you are really brown and daddy, you're a little bit brown and I am medium brown. And so we um, launched from, from that idea of, you know, being many hues of one humanity. And then ethnicity means that which we have in common. And so we're oh. all hues of brown. So brownicity is essentially an education space um, that is psychologically safe for us to bravely learn. And so I create courses. Um, I hold space for people to be able to um, like interrogate, be curious, ask questions, learn, become aware, practice, reflect, just grow, grow um, so that we can then cultivate uh the world that we know is, is possible. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I say mixed. Uh, That's just what I was raised with. Um, And so ever since George Floyd, I realized that people saw me as not white. I grew up kind of like your, like your kids or, you know, being in Iowa, I was in Alberta, Mm -hmm. a lot of white people there didn't have Mm -hmm. a lot of influence of black culture. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very interesting to see how with all the hues uh, mm-hmm. There's as many different experiences as well. And so right. when that happened, I'm like, oh, my goodness, people don't see me as just me, as Holly. Right. They see oh, me right. for my melanin. And mm-hmm. uh, I know that seems like I was really late to the party, but I almost feel blessed because mm-hmm. I didn't have those scars mm-hmm. that I know right. a lot of people have. Uh, mm-hmm. For you now being a mom of children who get to really experience kind of a different world than you experienced. Mm-hmm. How has that been uh, navigating this almost uncharted, uncharted territory? Because it's very different for our kids. Yes, you're so right, Holly. And I am, again, I'm so grateful that I actually um, earned my doctorate in education before I was married with children, because then I brought this 
kind of professional curiosity (laughs) and observation and experimentation and, and design. I just brought all of that into my family. And so um, my husband and I were very intentional. Even before we had children, we had conversations like, well, what's our framework? You know, how are we approaching this? Mm -hmm. What conversations are we going to have? What are we giving them? I mean, down to, you know, are they, are we telling them that they are both um, like black and white, are we telling them that they are neither? Mm. Um, you know, they are something different, you know, so all of that. I just remember us having these conversations, really being intentional, trying to be open to, um, yeah, this different way of moving forward. And at the same time, but, you know, but reaching forward and it takes a lot of faith, you know, to move forward from what you know, into something that you don't really know yet. So, you know, we, we have done the best we could do. And, and I, again, um, grateful to know how the brain works, um, as an educator and know what's appropriate. So I've been able to serve my children that way, give them all the tools and have multiple conversations over time that are appropriate for where they are, you know, in the moment I've watched them be, be innovators and handle things very differently then I would have handled them (laughs) like, Oh yeah, you have different tools. You know, you have a different um, framework and you have a different mindset and a different approach and you don't have less uh, a particular trauma or baggage that I have. So I've watched them handle things differently. And um, I, you know, I think they're doing great. They have language. Um, I think they, it's always interesting because I have three girls and they kind of talk about their um, racial or social identity differently because they're in different circles. Um, And so I just kind of stand back and nod and, you know, I only step in if it's, you know, if something is negative, you know, Mm. Um, because we, for example, we've always been very positive about our phenotype. So how we look in our hair and, um, and I think for, for most of their school life, um, they are in a space that is predominantly white. And so there's that like question sometimes about, well, why their hair isn't straight or someone will say, oh, you should try straightening your hair. Like you look so great. And so then I always have to be prepared um, for the counter narrative. Well, um, you know, if you straighten your hair, well, who's going to rock these bouncy curls, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> then you'll just look like them. So I've watched over time. They love um, their hair. Um, and then I, but I, you know, and, and I've watched them embrace their hair. I have never um, straightened their hair for the sake of, oh, this is, you know, let's just do this because I want to look like everybody else. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, again, a little bit at a time and just building. I think I love the word cultivating because it's about planting the seeds and watering, you know, watering and giving some sunshine and, and some in great conditions. So Mm -hmm. I was going to ask too, because you do have three daughters who are growing up very differently than you growing Mm -hmm. up very differently than your husband, but Mm -hmm. it was about the conversations as to how do you determine whether or not, because you're so educated and you know so much that, but you don't necessarily, you want your kids to also learn and not, you know, navigate them through your eyes. So how difficult is it for you to then just have to sit back and Mm -hmm. not necessarily dive in and be like, well, how about this? Well, you know, that is, um, what is helpful 
with that is having a husband who grew up differently than I Mm. see. And so sometimes I'll see certain something, I'll interpret something this way. And then, you know, he may say, or, you know, it could have been this like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, (laughs) and again, our children have language. So they bring their own interpretations. Um, Like, for example, I, I tell this story in my Ted talk about the time when my um, daughter, like a an African-American girl, so a girl with my skin tone, so black like me with my skin tone said to her, to my child, who's very fair skinned, who looks, yeah, like your complexion, Holly, um, who said, um, well, I'm only going to hug the kids in my class who um, have, whose skin looks like mine. And so basically she was excluding of course, the white kids, but she was intentionally excluding um, my daughter, the multi-ethnic children. There was lots of multi-ethnic children in that classroom. So she was excluding them and just, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to hug the, the black girls, whatever. And so my daughter was telling me about it and I interpreted, you know, uh, like I, let me see, I knew what was happening, but I immediately wanted to respond um, like with vengeance, you know, <laughs> Like, oh, that little girl, you know, but my daughter, you know, with, she has her own tools. She has her own understanding. Like she understands how race works. She understands how humanity works. And we have always just celebrated all of our different skin tones in our home. So that didn't make sense to her. Mm. So instead of responding um, in a way that I thought the little girl needed to be shook up a little bit, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> I'm just being honest. And so instead of responding that way, my, my child said, but, but if you only hug the people with your skin tone, look at mm-hmm. all the other wonderful hugs you're going to miss out on. Now, isn't that beautiful? Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. she said it, I see, I'm like, okay, see, so it is, I think it's, again, I, I feel grateful to be a trained educator be, or researcher, because that means I observe more than I input right and so um when they tell me stories or when they tell me things i have to pause and let them give their interpretation of what happened and then if i see something like well i don't want them like they need to know this part too then i will you know talk about it a little bit but what i i you know what i don't want to do and i have to be especially careful because this is what i do is i don't want to overburden my children um, or let other adults even overburden them with the responsibility of being everyone's teacher um, around race race and um, racial injustice or everyone's, you know, like, I don't want them to be the, the police around it because that's what happens. And, you know, um, like a kid will say, Hey, can I say the N word? You know, they'll ask my child that, Mm -hmm. or they'll say, no, Hey, if I, right. If, if, if I say this or no, or is this racist? Someone so said this racist. So they become, you know, mm. in their, cause they have slightly that they're very fair skinned, <laughs> so they, but in, where they go to school, you know, they are, you know, it's just assumed that they would know they should be the people to be teaching yes. their peers about race. I so they have that. to, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Like, Okay. I always found like an honor if someone had an ignorance to something, I had the opportunity to be one that you know shared some light and spread you know some yeah. positivity mm-hmm. on that, you know, right. to celebrate the diversity that even creates me. 
I would say, oh, it takes a great many nations to make someone like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's know. right. And that should true. be, and that, right. And that should be, and that should be your choice. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean? This shouldn't be imposed on you. Yeah. I think I'm a teacher by birth. I think I was just designed to be a teacher. So even in me growing up in schools and going to school um, and being in classrooms with white students who would have questions, I was like, oh, let me teach you. <laughs> like, I'm happy to teach. But that was my choice. You know, yeah. it should be our choice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do want to get into you and, and being an author in that as well, but let's let's sure. continue to go down the path of teaching. Um, have over the last few years, Holly, Holly brought it up too, and George Floyd, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of things, I think more so down in the States than here in Canada, but have you seen growth? over the last number of years and education and people who might not have known? Cause I mean, Holly says, you know, I've, I always answered these questions for people. I was that person asking Holly those questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, I mean, um, I wish it was more growth because, you know, sure. we've, we've here in the States experienced pushback, which, you know, um, you know, political, whatever <laughs> knows how to <laughs> rile up fear. And so of course we've had some, some pushback, but there, I mean, yes, I have watched, um, I have watched teachers, parents, children grow. I've seen, um, you know, like literacy and understanding awareness, competency around race become normal. Um, in a lot of places. So just as much as people are pushing, some people are pushing back. Um, there are, I think more people who, um, are leaning in and Mm. want, yeah. And want to be a part of contributing to something better. I'm curious about how your relationship with God has helped you navigate this because it's really easy to go to a place of, of hardness of heart Mm-hmm. When you're always getting wounded based on something you have no control over. Um, right. how, how has your relationship with God grown and shaped and morphed who you are today? If it were not for God, I would not be doing this. I mean, I mean, I very explicitly, God invited me to this work. I, I didn't choose it. I didn't say, hey, one day I'm going <laughs> to do this really hard thing. <laughs> I mean, God is, I mean, invited me even to the point of, God is so incredible of recruiting strangers, you know, Mm. like multiple times a stranger came up to me and said, you know, God wants you to do this. And I'm rolling my eyes at the stranger, like, Oh God. Okay. And just really saying the things that God had already, you know, dropped into me and, you know, and stirred in me. So I have then, I think, well, I have just leaned in even more aggressively. Like I thought before I was one of those, like, um, like I, I can't, I can't make a move and, you know, unless I've affirmed it or confirmed it, you know, with God. Um, so I thought I was like that before, but now, um, even more so, um, you know, because in the American church anyway, there are a lot of denominations, churches that we're talking about race and justice has just not been a part of their identity, their discourse, their nomenclature. So they are trying to search the scriptures um, to really exclude 
you know, these very important, this very important kind of invitation to healing. Um, And then you have, like, I grew up in, you know, a black church where, yes, justice and, you know, God's, God's justice and desire for us to all be whole and, um, you know, and be in community with one another, like, that was just normal. That's like, I have the language, I have the, I have the infrastructure, the fortitude, (laughs) the heart, um, all of that. And so um, that has been interesting um, to bump up against, you know, other Christians who Mm -hmm. should be, you know, my brothers and sisters, um, but they are resisting, you know, the invitation to healing. And so I, I have to stay, I have to stay God conscious all the time so that I don't other them, you know, I don't judge them and, um, and kind of cut them out of God's family, you know, in my, in my mind. And so I have to constantly keep coming back, you know, to God's invitation, God's vision. I keep, you know, coming back to being humble and forgiving (laughs) and, you know, grace. Um, I feel like it saying yes to this, to God's invitation kind of, I feel like it signed me up for like eternal, um, like reliance on God. (laughs) Like I don't have a choice. (laughs) Did you find that being an educator and it seemed like a natural fit that moving to becoming an author just kind of seemed like that next step? That's what happened. I mean, I did not, that makes no sense to me. (laughs) None. I was like, and I kept saying like, well, I'm an educator. Um, And that's kind of, you know, so I'm an educator. So I, I'm like, okay, God, you want me to teach people, you know, use education as an invitation to you know, for liberation is what I say, transformation and and liberation. So, okay. So I can do that. Like designing curriculum and teaching and understanding how to help people grow. Oh, I can do that with my hands tapped behind my back. I got it. So I sit down and I write out. Yes. But yeah. And at the same time, I knew that I was being like invited to be a writer and, um, but I didn't know how to make that transition. Now, if it was writing for a university research, okay, I know how to do that, but I don't know how to be a writer or become a writer, like out here with the people mm-hmm. beyond the walls of academe. But I wrote this curriculum because people were wanting to teach it, um, you know, in places that were geographically, geographically different, distant from me. So I'm like, okay, I'll write this down. So I write this curriculum. Um, the study guide, what lies between us. And then in people's minds, that made me a writer. So then I just began to be invited to write. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And I kept, initially I kept asking, why am I here? Like I am an educator. Um, and, but then no, I became a writer mm-hmm. and I, which then ultimately I remembered, oh, as a child, I wrote all the time. Like my mom has books of the poetry and the stories that I'd written. So I actually was a writer first <laughs> or maybe just both. I don't know. Yeah. So, it coexisted. Like, it coexisted. Um, but I didn't really understand it until I was in it. I'm like, Oh shoot. 
And I mean, recent, I mean, this has been recently that I, I am acknowledging and understanding that I am a writer, even after I have published things like, yeah, yeah wow. I'm a writer. Well, even though you're just acknowledging it, clearly other people <laughs> have seen it in you. You're part of Encourage and they right. have put together a book called Come Sit With Me and you write a chapter about forgiveness in it called When yes. Forgiveness is Exhausting. Yes. Sounds like just based in your life, there's a lot of things to pull from to create this chapter. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, what that means to you. This is something that people find, I think, hard to believe about me. And when, because I have kind of a happy, sunny disposition. Um, and, um, but yeah, I, I, I struggle with forgiveness. Um, well, I should say when the person is intentionally hurting me because mm. yeah, I want revenge. Just be honest with you. <laughs> so I was, it felt great to sit down and um, and write this story because it was a long, it took a long, long time to get to a place of forgiveness. And I wasn't hearing anybody talk about that, or I wasn't reading anything about that. And so when I sat down to write this story um, or tell this story, I wanted people to know that, okay, forgiveness doesn't have to look like like this prepackaged, um, like five-step, you know, program. Mm-hmm. Um, like in my case, in this situation, I mean, it was quite messy and there was so much agony. And I think then I felt even more guilt and shame because I wasn't, because here I am, you know, Christian and I'm like, I can't, yeah, I'm being honest. I am, yeah, I'm carrying unforgiveness around um, for this particular person. And yeah, but would it, but I, then I say that God graced me with time. So again, it went back to God, like God knows, you know, God knows that and is not going to judge me, um, because I'm holding the grudge. I mean, God doesn't want that for me. Um, but then, but God graced me with time. And so it just took a really, really long time. Like, really long time, like probably decades or over a decade. And I just wanted people to know that, um, like, that's okay. And, you know, we don't have to beat ourselves up because we're not perfect and we don't get this right, um, right away. And, you know, the more I learn about the brain and trauma, um, there's a reason why, um, it hurts so bad and it took so long. Um, but then again, like I said, that's, you know, that's a part of um, how we're designed. Um, And so instead of beating up ourselves, we can be grateful for the help and the support that, you know, that gets us there. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting though, because we are a quick fix society and we want everything right now, right now. And so we just expect something like forgiveness to just be an overnight thing. Oh, well, I've dealt with it, but yet that's not always the case. Mm-mm. Yeah, especially if it's trauma. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, I forgive them, and then something triggers it, and you're like, "Ooh, <laughs> that scar yeah. is not healed Gotta yet." Work on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and then you know there was the part of me that just I wanted to be angry at this person. I felt like this person deserved um, my anger uh, for what she did. So there's that too, and having to get to the bottom of now why you know what is that about. Um, yeah. And then sometimes people will harm you and then continue to harm you. 
So then there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, life. What is the biggest takeaway um, from your journey of forgiveness? Oh, my goodness. That my biggest takeaway is that, okay, God is with me, right? Emmanuel is with me. So even when I'm sitting and stewing in unforgiveness, God is with me. I think I wrote in the story I, that the very day that the thing happened, I was like stewing and just, oh, I just remember how horrible I felt and wanted to plot murder or something. Not really, but and then, not, not really, not really, awesome. not, not literally. Just maybe maybe a little bit. Yeah. We can all just, be a little petty. Yeah. Oh, big time petty. Yeah. Figurative <laughs> <laughs> murder. And, and yeah, and I just heard God so clearly say, you can forgive her. And so I'm so grateful that God was in with me in that moment. Like God is not just with us when we're, you know, on our best, best behavior, but there I was, you know, um, plotting to kill a human and God was like let me hang out with you let me be with you right here let me meet you right where you are in this moment and then be with you you know always and so that that is my biggest takeaway not to be up myself not to be so hard on myself um you know pain is real trauma um is real but to also have the hope that it won't always be there because I I don't have that pain anymore or unforgiveness regarding that person <laughs> <laughs> in that situation. Yeah. In that situation, I'm still working on other things with other people. <laughs> yeah. God's not done with you yet. <laughs> no, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. <laughs> this is the Wyoming Project podcast. So I want to ask, and you might've touched on it a little bit earlier on today, but just about any why me moments that you have experienced in your lifetime. Oh my gosh. Yes. This whole, like, why me? Why am in this, in this moment and in the context of all of the things that are happening in our country, kind of this racial reckoning that is happening. um, Why have you, God, invited me to do what it is, do what it is that I am doing? And, and I, I look at my life and I'm like, oh, you've just set me up so nicely. Like, oh, it was a setup and I didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of times on my journey, I would always say, can you just tell Oprah to do this? Like, why do you have me? <laughs> like, is that Oprah? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Why me? <laughs> yeah. Because God knows, right? Right. And I also have um, learn to just not try to understand God's ways. I just, yeah, I just recently wrote a piece and about how, um, yeah, God's math just does not add up. <laughs> so just doesn't. And I just, I just trust. Um, yeah. And the, and it's like, the more I trust, the more I'm required to trust because, you know, it's like, it's kind of expanding, you know, the more you trust, the more you're able to take on or the further you go. And then the more you, then you have to keep trusting. You can't say, okay, never mind. I'm ready to get off now. I'm ready to stop. Even though sometimes I'm like, can I, I need a break now. Can I, can I go do 
Like, I, you know, sometimes I'm like, why do I have to talk about race? Like, why can't I talk about gardening? How about yeah. that or something? You know, like sometimes yeah. I look at people's platforms and, and I'm like, oh, you get to talk about skirts and yeah, yours are so easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, or you get to talk about soap mm-hmm. or, you know, or drinks. I'm like, I have to talk about race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, yeah. And then there, and then of course, like days like today when I'm teaching my high school students, um, I'm like, oh, I get to talk about race. I get to teach them. They come into the classroom with so many questions and I'm glad that I get to hold a space where they can get these answers. Yeah. We always say, don't let your get to's become got to's. You, you get an opportunity to do this. Uh, At Lucretia Berry on the Insta, as well, uh, Brownicity on Instagram, brownicity.com. She's a different kind of doctor, Lucretia. We appreciate you for taking <laughs> some time and hanging out with us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you both. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There, we've learned a lot. We continue to grow. There's still more growth and we still need to learn more. Oh, so very true. And I think that's maybe the exciting thing about being a human is that the journey never stops, the learning never stops, yeah. and the adventures never stop. Whether it's race, whether it's forgiveness, whether it's insert whatever that is, uh, there is still room for growth. And as you had mentioned before, God's not done with you yet. Mm-hmm. He is not. But we are kind of done with you now. Sorry. It was a good Wait. good time hanging out with you guys. <laughs> Well, all right. That's it, I guess. So long and see you later. Uh, Download Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Edify, all the different platforms that you get your podcasts or follow us on all the socials. Exactly. Then you can hear more of incredible stories from our guests. You can also go to faithstrongtoday.com. 